0: Welcome back to Two Sisters and a TV, the classic TV podcast, where we celebrate and remember all things and everything classic TV. Today we're going to take a look at The Young and the Restless, which celebrated their 50th anniversary on yesterday. It was on March the 26th, 1973 that The Young and the Restless made its debut over on CBS. The show remains on the air, of course. I watched it earlier and it is still thriving and entertaining people and is still the number one soap opera in the country. That is a record that they have held on to since 1988. I was still in high school at the time. But The Young and the Restless for me personally has always been very special because it's one of the first TV shows I remember watching. The other three would be Sesame Street, The Price is Right, and All in the Family. Now, The Young and the Restless replaced Where the Heart Is. And the original title for it was actually The Innocent Years. Because basically, according to the creators of the show, were William Bell and his wife, Lee Philip Bell. And according to Bill Bell... With all of the stuff that had been going on in the country in the '60s and Vietnam and all of the in unjust uh, injustice and all of the unrest, there was an innocence that had been that was missing in the country at that time. So that's why he originally they originally picked out the name, the Innocent Years. But instead, they decided to, I think, that CBS wanted them to change the title, so instead they went with The Young and the Restless, which reflected the current mood and youth of the early 70s. Now... CBS wanted a brand new soap opera because they were in competition or wanted to be in competition with ABC. ABC had these youthful soap operas like All My Children and One Life to Live, General Hospital. So they wanted a youthful uh, soap opera as well, a youth oriented soap so they decided that they would hire bill bell bill bell had been writing for quite a while and uh, having an, an extensive career in you know writing for tv and so they decided that they would give him the chance to develop a soap opera for them which he and his wife lee did now in the beginning the ratings were not quite that great it finished out the 1973 74 season at the number 15 spot amongst the soap operas on the air at the time. But by actually, um, by, and I wrote all this down, so <laughs> I'm to kind of reading, As I go along here, Um, for the first few seasons, it was in the number 15 spot, but it jumped to number nine for the 1974-75 season, and by the 1975-1976 season, it had gone all the way up to number three. It also won its very first Daytime Emmy in 1975 for Outstanding Drama Series, and also it won another Emmy in 1975 for Outstanding Individual Director in Daytime in a daytime drama series. The thing that made The Young and the Restless so different was, for one thing, the lighting. I mean, the lighting. If you go to YouTube, there are early episodes on YouTube. There are clips, mostly. You can't really find full episodes. There are some, but you definitely will find a lot of, like, 10-minute episodes or maybe five minutes. But there's a lot from the early days on YouTube. I have binged watched The Young and the Restless at times those early 70s episodes and the lighting was just for one thing it was different no soap no soap opera I had that kind of lighting you know it was kind of like the lighting that you would see in movies in theatrical movies on the big screen I mean, the lighting techniques and the camera angles were, they were just so uniquely done. I mean, the effects were dark and shadowy and moody. And at the same time, they would have these bright lights upon the actors' faces. So that was just something that was very, very, again, very creative, very different, and really set apart from from every other soap opera that was on the air at the time. Um, actually, I found out that Bill Bell, a lot of the stuff that I'm telling you today, we didn't know. For example, Bill Bell wanted the show to be um, shot in New York City. But CBS decided that shooting in L.A. would be more cost effective. Also, another thing that sets The Young and Restless apart, in my opinion, the music. Now, this is something you can definitely find on YouTube. There were different themes For example, let's take the character of Chris Brooks, and I'll get more into the original characters, the original core families in just a minute. Chris Brooks, of course, was one of the early characters on the show, one of the original cast members, one of the original characters, rather. Well, she had her own theme song, Chris's theme. And you can go to YouTube, there's a CD actually, I think it's on, it's it's for sale on Amazon and you can actually listen to these themes. And I tell you, every time I go to YouTube and I pull up Leslie's theme, Liz's theme, uh, the blue images theme, it just takes me back to childhood. It takes me back to being a little girl because like so many of you out there, yes, my grandmother watched The Young and the Restless as did my mother as did myself, my sister, and one of her uncles, cousins, classmates. I mean, so there's always been someone to talk about The Young and the Restless with, both within the family and outside of it. So uh, that is definitely a very, you know, strong connection, you know, for us. But this is how my mom told me that she began to watch The Young and the Restless. Now she wasn't happy about the ending of where the heart is, and that this new soap opera, The Young and the Restless, was going to be replacing it. If anything, she's like the Young and the Restless. Well, what's that going to be about? So, so she wasn't, you know, willing to give it a chance. But about a month or two months in, some kind of way, she ended up seeing um, an episode, and the character I just mentioned, Chris, Chris Brooks, who was originally portrayed by Trish Stewart, if I recall correctly. She was sexually assaulted, and the one who sexually assaulted her was portrayed by Anthony Geary, who would go on to be Luke Spencer a few years later on General Hospital. Well, the storyline was so compelling, the way that it was written, acted, directed, the music, it drew her in. And as a result, she introduced the show to her mother and that's how they began to watch The Young and the Restless. And of course I was in the, mid- in the middle of all of this and I got caught up into it too. My sister came into the world with The Young and the Restless being a fixture in the house. So, um, but as for me personally, I love those early years, the show, as I was saying the show, uh, we're going to get off into exactly you know, how it all got started. The show revolved around two core families. The Brooks family. The Brooks family, they were wealthy. There were uh, yet the mom and the dad, uh, Stuart and Jennifer, and their four daughters Leslie, Larley, Chris, and Peggy. And then you had the working class foster family. You had the single mother, Liz. Their father ran away years ago, Bill, uh, or William ran away years ago. He came back, he and Liz remarried, and then he passed away. But when the show first started, Bill was not in the picture, had not been in the picture for many years. You had her three kids in the picture, William Jr., best known as Snapper. You had Greg and you had Jill. And that's really what the show focused on for the first, you know, several months, Bill Bell not very happy with the way that the ratings were at the very beginning. He actually wanted the show to be taken off the air. That's how discouraged he was. And it's interesting how, and I don't know who needs to hear this, but it's interesting how you could have a dream, a goal, a desire, <clears throat> excuse me. And in the beginning, you can get really discouraged because it's not looking the way you want it to. It's not shaping up the way that you thought it would or the way you want it to go. Anyone just throw in the towel and just quit. What if Bill Bell had pulled The Young and Restless off the air? Now, CBS wouldn't allow it. But what if he'd been successful in pulling that show off the air? This episode would not be happening right now. And we would have missed 50 years of marvelous characters and storylines and just just so much. So the Young and Restless, even like I said today in 2023, still very entertaining. Um, at one point, like in the mid-80s, I mean literally 10 million people a day were watching The Young and Restless. Now, the ratings, of course, have dropped over the years for different reasons. But even today, I mean, you have like 3 million people who watch The Young and Restless on a daily basis. So, I mean, that still is not too shabby, especially in this day and age, you know, because the... There are so many different channels and I mean, there's social media and there's so much of the stuff out there, you know, that basically you can, uh, that are competition for the soaps that, uh, it's amazing that there are still so many viewers of the Young and the Restless, but fortunately he was not able to take the show off the air. And he just kept plugging away at it. He was head writer. He was head writer until he retired in 1998. And um, yeah, so fortunately, the show kept going. And the ratings continued to get higher. And uh, it stayed on the air. Now, one of the things that he decided to do to breathe a little more life into the show, to, to bring a new dynamic, was introduce the character of Catherine Chancellor. She was portrayed by Jeannie Cooper. She was on this show until she passed away. Um, I can't remember the year that she passed, but she passed away some years ago, a few years back. And she was on the show all the way up until her passing. She joined the show in, I believe, December of 1973, about six months after the show made its debut. And uh, if you ever watched The Young and the Restless at all, you know about Catherine Chancellor. She definitely—I mean, she was an alcoholic. She actually. Uh, I won't say she killed her for her uh, her husband Philip Chancellor, I won't say she did that. But I will say that uh, her husband Philip was leaving her for Jill Foster. The two were having an affair and Philip wanted to be with Jill and vice versa. Catherine was not having it. So Philip had gone out of town, Catherine picked him up from the airport one night, they were arguing. And he was just telling her the marriage is over and, you know, all this and this. He wasn't going to change his mind. He wanted to be with Jill. So Catherine drove them off of a cliff. This was in 1975. You can see uh, it on YouTube. Um, You have to kind of dig for it. It's not um, very easy to find, but it is over there. And people still to this day talk about Catherine Chancellor driving that car off of a cliff. Philip, of course, sadly was killed and she was injured, but she didn't care. She didn't care if she was killed or not as well. She just was not going to stand seeing her husband leave her for Jill. And that was how the Catherine Chancellor, Jill Foster feud came into being. That I found out, we found out was the longest running feud in soap opera history. Jill Foster, Jill Foster Abbott and Catherine Chancellor. Interestingly enough, they actually, if I recall correctly, they made them mother and daughter. Now, that was a real serious plot twist. I mean, I still, to this day, can't fully wrap my head around that. But Jill and Catherine, they did become, you know, they became close. They still fought a lot, but they became close. The relationship definitely changed. And it was fascinating to watch. Especially considering the fact how they fought so viciously and bitterly for so many decades, and their fights are definitely just get, go to YouTube. YouTube is your place to look all of this stuff, up, to look all of this stuff up, and to watch it. If you've never seen it before, you haven't seen it in a long time. YouTube is the place to go for all of it. Now, there was some amazing characters on that show, some amazing storylines. I could go, we could go on and on about it, but we. It would just really probably be too long of an episode, and we don't want it to be, you know, just too, too long, end up becoming kind of out of focus. We really don't want to go in that direction. We decided that early on. We want to keep it structured and focused. But uh, I will share one storyline with you that a lot of longtime viewers remember. This is from 1981. Laurie Brooks, portrayed by Jamie Lynn Bauer, was married to Lance Prentice. Lance Prentice was originally portrayed by John McCook, who is now Eric Forrester on The Bold and the Beautiful. He's been doing that show since it debuted in 1987. And uh, after he left The Young and the Restless, Dennis uh, Cole, Jacqueline Smith's ex-husband, replaced him. Well, Lance's mother, Vanessa, could not stand Laurie. Long story short, she hated Laurie so badly that she actually jumped out of a window and killed herself and framed Laurie in the process. Unbelievable. I think that's on YouTube as well. I'm not sure where. I've seen it over there. I haven't seen it lately, but uh, I think you can, if you dig deep enough, you can find it. But that, Unbelievable unbelievable people who remember Vanessa and she she wore a veil her face was really scarred she always wore a veil and when she jumped out of that window to frame Laurie for murder it was just again that's something I I, I've never forgotten and I don't think any viewer who was watching the show at the time has forgotten it either that's how unforgettable that whole storyline was but anyway, as we get back to uh what happened with the core families by 1980 The Young of was so popular that it expanded to an hour-long soap opera. It was originally 30 minutes long, but it became an hour, expanded to the one-hour format on February the 4th, 1980. Now, some of the cast members were not happy with this change, so they began to gradually leave the show because their argument was, well, we didn't sign up to be a part of an hour-long show. It's not our contract, and so they left. That's why John McCook, whom I just mentioned, AKA Eric Forrester left the Young and the Restless because he didn't want to do an hour long, an hour long soap opera. And interestingly enough, the Bull and the Beautiful has always been 30 minutes long. And so he's been doing a 30 minutes long soap opera for what? 36 years. If I, if my math is correct. But, um, by 1982, almost all of the original core, um, members were gone. Most of the Brooks were gone. Most of the Fosters were gone. And so when Jamie Lynn Bower decided to leave the show in 1982, Bill Bell was pretty much done. He completely wrote out all of the, he wrote the Fosters and Abbots, not Abbots, the Fosters and the Brooks completely out. Those who had not left the show, he wrote them out. And he began to focus his attention solely on the Abbots and the Newmans and then also the Williams family. And of course, later on, as you get into the nineties, you have the Winters family, and then you also, as you go further down the line, you know, you have, uh, the, um, the Baldwin's that you, uh, I'm forgetting a family I'm forgetting. Let me see here. I know I wrote this down, but I don't see where I wrote it, unfortunately, But, uh, yeah, so he decided to just really focus on brand new families altogether. And that has, that was very successful. That became very, very successful, worked out very well. And, um, so yeah, the Young, the Restless, you know, won. I, I wrote this down. It has won 165 daytime Emmys, has been nominated for 360 daytime Emmys. And, of course, it is still doing very well today, as I just said. And the storylines, one of the things that made the show so successful and really caught people's attention, the storylines. It was the first soap opera to really address sexuality. It was the first soap opera to actually address sex. It also was the first soap opera to have a character undergo a mastectomy. Um, Jennifer Brooks, Stuart Brooks' mother, the mother of the Brooks sisters had a mastectomy. She had breast cancer and, uh, she had a mastectomy around 1975. Also, as I said, Catherine Chancellor was an alcoholic. Catherine Chancellor also was involved in a relationship with another woman, that, that relationship didn't go too deep because this was like 1976, 1977, and a lot of viewers were outraged. They wrote in letters protesting that storyline, so they scrapped it pretty quickly, but they still did go in that direction. And so, again, they were focusing on so many um, topics that no soap opera had ever focused on before, and that was they focused on social issues issues. And, you know, they were definitely doing something that none of the other soap operas were doing. That's why people caught on to it so quickly and so easily, because they were doing things that no one was seeing in any in any other soap opera. So anyway, back to me. First of all, uh, The Youngly Restless also was the first soap opera to be broadcast in high definition. That date was June the, June the 27th, 2001. Now back to me personally. Now I watched The Young and the Restless, I would say from the age of three to the age of about 22. Then I stopped. I stopped for a very long time. Just kind of lost interest in all the soap operas and I stopped watching all of the daytime soaps. I was watching Melrose Place a lot. You know, that was on Fox at night back in the nineties. That was my main soap opera. So I kind of just gave the daytime ones a very, very long rest. And focused on Melrose Place. But in 2005, I, some kind of way, ended up rediscovering The Young and the Restless. And I've been watching it ever since. So for the past, what is that, 18 years? If my math is correct. You know, math never was my best subject. But uh, for the past 18 years, if I have it correctly, I've been watching The Young and the Restless steadily. And uh, again, the storylines, the characters, the actors and the actresses, I have to give them all props for having brought so much wonderful entertainment to so many of us for 50 years. Plus the writers, like I said, Bill Bell and his wife, Lee. All of the producers and directors and writers down through the years, all of the people in hair and makeup and wardrobe, everyone working together has made this show the success that it is still today. And it's why the show has reached its 50th anniversary. Now, here's a question that people will ask me. I've been asked this by so many people. Whenever The Young, The Restless comes up and I mention that I watch it, People who used to watch it don't watch it anymore. People who watched it maybe sparingly or occasionally, they always have one question for me Is Victor Newman still on there? (laughs) I kid you not. I have had so many people ask me that. Is Victor still on there? Is Victor still on there? Where's Victor Newman? Yes, Victor Newman is still on The Young and the Restless. I remember when Victor Newman came to the show in 1980. I was in third grade. Eric Braden has been portraying that character all of this time. Now, I found this out just the other night. I never knew this. We did not know this. The character Victor Newman was not supposed to be a permanent character. He was supposed to be on the show for between the period of about eight to 12 weeks and then he was to be killed off because when Victor Newman came to the show, he was ruthless. I mean, he was married to Julia. People think that Victor and Nikki, they have always been only married to each other. No. Now, Victor and Nikki, they have broken up and remarried, married other people, blah, blah, blah. But in the beginning, they married other people. Nikki married Greg Foster Jill's brother, Jill and Snapper's brother, they were married. And then she married Kevin Bancroft. And then she married Victor for the first time in 1984. A lot of people don't know this or they don't, they don't remember it. Now, as for Victor, when he came to Genoa City, he was married to Julia and he was not a good husband. He was abusive. He was a terrible husband and she began to cheat on him. Victor found out that he was, che- that she was cheating on him with a guy named Michael. Victor knew, and again, another unforgettable storyline. Victor Newman went and got Michael and had him locked in like a dungeon in like um, a cage. He had him caged in a dungeon for cheating with Julia. It was insane. Victor Newman was crazy. He was outrageous when he first came to the show, but Bill Bell, by the way, uh, Julia and Michael, uh, Michael was able to escape and he and Julia ran away together, but, um, Julia did come back to the show, but I think they tried to get back together, but of course they broke up for good and that's when he ended up, you know, becoming involved with Nikki. But Bill Bell really liked Eric Braden. He liked his acting. He liked his dedication to the part, his passion. And he said that he did not want to lose such of a good actor. So he decided to basically kind of tweak the character, not make him as ruthless and, and, and evil and cunning and dirty and diabolical. He gave him a human side. He fleshed out the character. We found out that Victor Newman was raised in an orphanage. His mother abandoned him when he was a little boy. His father was not in his life. And he basically, you know, everything that he had, all the wealth that he amassed, he created that, got all of that, acquired it all on his own. And so we got to see the human side of Victor Newman. We got to see that he had a good side. He had a loving side and it was also a very powerful storyline. When his mother came back to town and he lashed out at her for abandoning him when he was a little boy, that too on YouTube, also very powerful. When he met his father, many, many years later, he, he saw him again, many, many years later, his father's portrayed by George Kennedy, very powerful scene. Victor really let both of his parents have it and, uh, just really showed the vulnerable side of Victor because after he got dead letting his parents have it, his, his emotions definitely came to the forefront and he really had a, you know, he really broke down afterward. So we got to see, like I said, the human side of Victor Newman. And so as a result, he's been on the show for 43 years. And he's still a very active character. One thing I like about The Young and the Restless, they uh, they don't push, once a person gets to be a certain age, they don't push them aside. Like They didn't do that with Catherine Chancellor. Catherine kept a storyline for the rest of the time she was on the show. For the entire duration of her time on The Young and the Restless, she kept an active storyline. They never pushed her aside because she got older. Same thing with Victor. Victor is still scheming, plotting, running everything, still having his way. He and Nikki are back together. They've been together for a while. I really hope that they stay together. No more than breaking up and remarrying other people. Then they get back together. Just leave Victor and Nikki alone, please. So, but yes, Victor Newman, definitely one of the legends of The Young and the Restless. Eric Braeden, wonderful actor. He definitely is an Emmy award-winning act, award actor, and he still is very enjoyable to watch today. But as what's going on in The Young and the Restless right now, well, more drama. It's really in an exciting period right now. If you're watching it like we are, well, my sister doesn't really watch it anymore, believe it or not. I'm the one who watches it. I keep her up to date on it. She, of course, like I said, came in the world watching it. She was really into it in the 90s, like really hardcore. When I wasn't watching it in the 90s, she was obsessed with it. She was all into it back in the 90s. Uh, and then all all into the 2000s when she was in college. And then she just kind of fell off with it about maybe five years ago. Hasn't been too long ago. But I am the one who watches it Among Us and I keep her updated. But uh, yeah, there are exciting things going on. And you can't wait to see what's going to happen next. And um, well, that's all I'll say about that. If you watch The Young and the Restless, make sure you watch it tomorrow. Tomorrow's episode is going to be a goodie. And I'll just kind of leave it at that. But yes, The Young and the Restless, uh, you know, like I said, has entertained so many of us for these past 50 years. Bill Bell sadly passed away in 2005. I believe also Lee Phillip Bell has also passed away. Their daughter, Laura Lee, is uh, still on The Young and the Restless. She's been on this show since the 80s. She is Christine Some people still call her Cricket, which was her nickname back in the 80s and the 90s. She still has a recurring part on the show. I will say this, though. um, I do miss Doug Davidson a lot. Doug Davidson portrayed Paul Williams. He joined the cast in 1978 and was on the show until 2020. And I don't know what happened. My cousin told me that she read somewhere that... He had a falling out with the producers because something about a storyline. She wasn't quite sure of the specifics, but she told me that they had a really ugly falling out and that's why they kicked him off the show. But it's really, really unfortunate. I loved the character of Paul. And I mean, if he was still on the show, he would have been the cast member to be on the show the longest uh, but as of now, since he's no longer there, that honor goes to Melody Thomas Scott, who portrays Nikki. She's been on the show since 1979. But yes, Doug Davis Davidson, yes, he's still very much missed. I I really hate that whatever happened, happened. Because I tell you, I always liked Paul. And I can't tell you how much I wish he was, that he were still on the show. Um, I read somewhere that the breakdown between him and the producers is so bad that more than likely he won't be returning anytime soon. I hope that changes. I mean, anything can change, you know. Um, you know something like this definitely is is prone to change. It's changeable, and I hope that it does. But Doug Davidson, I had to give a shout-out to him because, again, I've always liked him, and I miss him terribly, and a lot of us miss him terribly. Also, I've been on the show for years. Peter Bergman as Jack Abbott. Uh, he was Cliff Warner on, the, on All My Children for about 10 years. And then he came over to, all my, uh, to the Young Lay Restless. He's been on there since 1989. Of course, the original Jack Abbott was portrayed by my love, Terry Lester, from 1980 to 1989. Still love Terry Lester. Have mad respect for Peter Bergman, though. Peter Bergman, like I said, from what I understand, really nice guy. Definitely a very good actor, another Emmy Award winning actor. Um, and it took me forever to get used to him as Jack Abbott. But I, I finally got there. <laughs> so yeah, these, some of these actors have been on the Young and the Restless for so long. And of course there are those who are no longer with us, like Judy Cooper, Terry Lester, and Christoph St. John, who portrayed Neil Winters. He was on this show. He came to the show in 1991. I remember when he came and he was on the show until he passed away back in 2019 I tell you, everyone that I knew personally was devastated by his passing, because first of all, this was not one of the cases where the character passes, but the actor is still alive. The actor actually passed away. And I tell you, everyone who ever watched the show, even those who stopped watching it, where we were all heartbroken by the death of Christoph St. John. And he, too, very, very, very missed. Very deeply missed. But I tell you, they keep him alive. They keep Neil Winters. They keep his name. You know, he's mentioned often, um, you know, regularly in the show. He's mentioned regularly. They'll have flashbacks of him. And uh, I'm really glad about that because I really liked Neil. I always liked the character of Neil. And, again, I, I miss Christoph St. John so much. He's missed terribly amongst not only the viewers, but the cast as well. Because when he, when, he, when he passed away, it was devastating to the cast. They all took it very, very hard when he passed away. So his passing really hit a lot of people very, very hard. So, so many actors and actresses who are on the show, they are no longer with us. And I just want to pay tribute to them. Also want to mention those who got their start on The Young and Restless like David Hasselhoff and Tom Selleck and Eva Longoria just a few who got their start over there and lots of other celebrities have appeared on on the Young and the Restless down through the years I remember Jewel was on an episode oh and so many others have been um on the Young and the Restless I can't think of them all right now but uh if you go to YouTube there's a plethora of videos where you can watch pretty much anything from 1973 to 2023 or 2023 rather of the Young and the Restless so wanted to we could not not mention The Young and the Restless. This is an episode we've been planning since December. We've been planning to do this since December when we knew that their 50th anniversary was coming up this month. We had been planning for this then and we are so happy we got to, we got to put that out there today and bring it to you and share it with you and to reminisce about it as well ourselves. So again to The Young and the Restless, happy 50th anniversary. We look forward to seeing what you guys have for us in the years to come as we try to treasure all of the years behind us, the enormous legacy of the past 50 years. Thank you all so, so much. And I will see you tomorrow. And that's going to wrap up this episode of Two Sisters in a TV, the classic TV podcast that celebrates and remembers everything, all things classic TV we we'll have a brand new episode next week. This episode was actually a request from one of our subscribers. And uh, more on that later because we do take requests. The only thing is that it has to be a TV show that we know something about, that we have a connection to. It wouldn't be right to the show, to the actors, the characters, if we did a show that we never watched, don't really know anything about. I remember when Bob Saget passed away, we did an episode. I did an episode about Full House and I did a lousy job. It's embarrassing. I don't even listen to that because I couldn't really talk about it because I didn't watch Full House regularly. I watched it only occasionally and I really didn't really know what to say about the show. So that's why as long as we have a connection with it and have a real extensive knowledge of it, we're more than happy to take requests. So this episode coming up next week is a request another request from a subscriber as for what the episode is about well that's a surprise thank you again for joining us today and thank you for joining us every time that we come on with a brand new episode thank you for rating reviewing subscribing and above all thank you for your time we back with that brand new episode that requested episode next week and until that episode drops we'll see you all then